You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. All right, how's everybody doing? <laughs> Ready to get into the Word? Good. Two of you, that's good enough for me. Uh, let's... I want you to open your Bible with me tonight over to Romans chapter 8. We're going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit and his influence in our life, how to tap into that, what his role is in our life, how we can interact with him, all kinds of different things. But um, tonight, I want to begin here. I, I want to talk about um, just the, the privilege that we have of having the constant companionship of the Holy Spirit in everything that we do and everywhere we go, everything we need to think about and and do and decide and learn in life, we've got this huge advantage of having the Spirit of God. I mean, it just kind of, I was thinking about it again today, and it just kind of boggles my mind every time. We've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of us and going through everything we do with us. And he's here specifically, he's not just hanging around, you know, he's, he's sent for these purposes, you know, to be, and we talked about a whole list of things last week, there are many more, but he's there to be our advocate, he's there to be our counselor, we're going to talk tonight about him being our guide, you know, he's there to be the revealer, he's there to be everything and do everything that Jesus would do and be, because they are one and the same. So tonight, and we didn't get a recording last week, um, the disc, the little disc that we used just messed up, so we didn't get a recording. So normally you'll be able to uh, pick these up on the website after sometime Wednesday, late in the day. They should be up there, maybe, I think we can get them up on Wednesday. But anyway, normally you'll be able to pick them up the same place you get any of the other podcasts. We put them up as podcasts, so... So Romans chapter 8, we're going to start tonight um, in verse 13 and look at some verses here first and then we're going to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and go through some of my favorite verses in the world. So it's one of the advantages of being up here is you just get to do your favorite verses. It's great. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 13, I'm reading this from the NIV first. It says, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die, but if by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Is this too loud? It just feels too loud to me. Um, it's probably set for Sunday or something. Um, so, I don't particularly, this is one thing, I love the NIV, but I don't like their translation of the word sarks. They say sinful nature. And that confuses a lot of people and makes us think that I have two natures, that I have a sinful nature and a saved nature or something. And, and it may seem like splitting hairs, but that's not true. We have one nature, and if you're born again, you are born of the Spirit of God. At the core of your being, you are a child of God. You are born again, you are redeemed, the Spirit of God lives in you. You are a new creation in Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. All those things are who we are. You don't have two natures on the inside of you fighting a little war. What we do have is we have a part of our soul that is not has not yet been renewed. We're still in the process of being renewed. So we still have some, obviously, thoughts, desires, passions, and things that are that don't come from God. So this, this word... Um, 
it's the Greek word sarx, S-A-R-X. And it's, there's a different word that means body. It's, I think, I still, I still like the translation that the New King James and a lot of the translations use, which they call it the flesh. And, but they don't mean this flesh. Uh, sometimes in the Bible, it actually, and this is why it's kind of confusing, is because there are some places in the scripture where it talks about the body of an animal or something, and it, and it will, they'll use that word, sark. So it can mean that, but you have to pull out the context and know how it's being used. There's a different Greek word, S-O-M-A, soma, which is not just a marijuana sale house. It's actually a Greek word that means body. But um, anyway, it's... Uh, in this context, this is what this word means. It says, if we live according to the flesh or the sinful nature, in this context, it means the animal nature of mankind. Okay, It means the natural mindset, desires, and passions. Natural, not spiritual. Natural mindset, desires, and passions that are the opposite of and live in opposition to the Holy Spirit and the born-again human spirit. So it's, uh, but on the inside of us, I, I guess the reason, and I think I explained that, the reason I don't like the term nature is because we think of that as the, our very core, that's who I am then. I have this sinful nature. I am a, and, and honestly, a lot of people are still taught that, that, that we as believers are, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, saved by grace. You're not a sinner anymore at nature, if you, at the core of your being. If you have been born again, you are no longer, that is not who you are. It's what you do sometimes, but it's not who you are. Our feelings are not who we are, and our actions are not who we are. Who we are is who God says we are. So en- enough about that, but it, can, it also refers to, and this is the context here, that unrenewed part of the soul, the part that hasn't been completely changed yet. And so... Uh, we have some things that come out of it. And this verse tells us if we live under the influence or some translations say under the dictates or under the leading of the flesh, okay, then we are going to experience those areas of life where we're letting the flesh lead and influence us. We're going to experience life in those areas as if we weren't in relationship with God. We're going to reap bad stuff when we live under the influence of the flesh. And that's what it's saying here. If we, we're also going to produce things as if we were separated from God because we're not living under the influence of his spirit in that area or at that time or in that moment. So it's saying if you live according to or under the influence of the flesh, You'll die. It's, that's, it's the idea of spiritual death. It's, it's as if you're separated from God, even though you're not. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So if, and I think the Amplified says it this way, something like this, if through the power of the Holy Spirit you put to death the promptings that come from the flesh, if you put those things to death, then you'll produce fruit. Then you'll produce an outward life and and you will experience life. Um, You'll produce an outward evidence of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. Um, I just wanted to see if I had the Amplified here because I do like the way it reads here. It 
that verse 8 rather than verse 9? Have I been saying it was verse 9? Verse 8. So then those who are who are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and the impulses of the flesh, cannot please or satisfy God or be acceptable to him. But you are not living the life of the flesh. You are living the life of the Spirit, if the Spirit of God really dwells in you. So he, he says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit of God. That's what we're going to come back to tonight. The idea there is that children of God, and I guess we're going to beat this to death tonight, children of God are, or can be, led by the Spirit of God, right? It's, there are things about being led by the Spirit of God that all of us need to learn. There are aspects to that. There are, you know, learning how to discern what is the Spirit of God speaking to us, learning how to receive because, because he doesn't force us to do things. And a lot of people wish he would, but he doesn't. He doesn't, re- he doesn't act that way. It isn't his nature. And so it is important for us, and we'll talk about this a little bit tonight. We're not going to go into it in detail, but it's important for us to learn how to discern the nudges that the Holy Spirit gives, the things that he speaks to our heart, the ways that he speaks to us. There are a lot of things that people uh, think about the leading of the Holy Spirit that are really not scriptural, ways that they believe that he uh, leads that are not scriptural. But let's go on here and we'll get into this. So, So in verse 15, it says, for you did not receive, and this is an important part of this verse, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. It means heavenly daddy. Abba is the term daddy, father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are God's children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. So back up in verse 14, it says that we are led by the Spirit of God. And that word led comes from a little Greek word, A-G-O-Ago. And it means to lead by accompanying along the road. It, It means it is somebody who goes along with us. It's the idea of a personal guide. And and so the Holy Spirit isn't way out in front of us and we're supposed to try to keep up. He's not driving us down the road. And we see that in Jesus. He doesn't drive you, you know, like like sheep being driven down the road. He leads us, but he leads us by accompanying us. And if we think about who Jesus Christ is and what he has said and knowing that he and the Spirit of God, he and the Holy Spirit are exactly the same, he, he has been touched by every one of our infirmities. He has felt the same temptations we have felt. He uh, has lived this life. He has lived in a flesh and blood body. He has experienced the very same things that we have experienced, but without sinning. Okay, so the Spirit of God, as he leads us and accompanies us through life, it's not something he has no relationship to. Not only is he the creator of life, but he has actually lived life on this planet in the same way that we do. So it is, it is not as, a, you know, because you could think about, well, this is God. It's easy for him, you know. And it's it's not that way. He is, but he is there with us as a personal guide. And so it's important to realize that 
I love that the first part of that verse in verse 15, you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. He is not forcing you to do things. And the, and the, the problem is sometimes he will not force us <laughs> to do things. Like I said, sometimes people wish he would. I have people pray with, pray with me all the time. I mean, they come up and, and, and they'll say, you know, pray that God make me do this. Well, I can't pray that. It's not his nature. He won't do that. And he's, he's, you've not received a spirit that is going to drive you by fear, that is going to rule you by fear. And that's, I mean, how many of you know and how many of maybe you have had that misunderstanding about God that he rules by fear? I mean, a lot of Christians think that. That's how they see him. They think, you know, that he's just there to crack the whip. And if you don't get it together, you're going straight to hell. And, you know, and I'm going to make life terrible for you and all these kinds of things. And this clearly says that is not the spirit we've received. We've received a spirit of sonship. There is a cooperative father-child relationship that the spirit of God is working on the inside of us. And he's there accompanying us to work that kind of relationship in every single thing that we do and everywhere that we go. And it says, by him, that's the spirit that rises up within us and says, Father. I mean, it gives us that... um, we can lift up our eyes to him. We can call out on him. Yes, uh, we, we have the fear of God. We have friendship with God. And we have this father-child relationship with God. And they all blend together. But he doesn't force compliance. And so if you've been waiting for that, give it up. It isn't going to happen. But he will lead. He will guide. He will empower. He will enable. He will show you the right way. He'll stay with you. He's faithful. I mean, uh, it's great, but he's not going to force compliance. So um, so we had an experience thinking about this, thinking about him as a personal guide, somebody who goes down the road with you. Um, last, I guess it was last fall, we were down with some friends uh, in Grants, New Mexico. And and uh, and a lot of you know Hal Whitaker. He, he worked uh, in the uranium mines there all of his life. He's in his 80s now, and he worked there all of his life. And And he was a mining engineer, and, and he worked in these mines. So in Grants, there's a mining museum. And um, I don't remember who came up with the idea of going to the... I'm not a big museum person. But uh, anyway, we went to the mining museum with Hal. And it was so great because you can go in there and and you sit and they have some videos you can watch that tell you about the whole thing and how it got going and how the industry died and what they were doing and and all of this stuff and it is it's real interesting um but you can sit and watch the videos and then you can go they have this whole thing set up underground so you go down and uh and go through all this stuff and all the equipment's there and and all of this and you know there are some little, there are little plaques that tell you what this piece of equipment was or what that was or whatever and you know it it would be kind of interesting to do but going with Hal who had lived it and knew everything about it and we could take as much time as we wanted and ask all the questions we wanted and he'd tell us all this stuff and how all the equipment worked and all this stuff i mean it, it would just i don't i don't know how long we were down there a lot longer than i thought we would be but um, it was so interesting because we had that personal guide. We had somebody who had been there, who had lived it, who knew it, who had all the information and was willing to share it and was excited about sharing it. And that's kind of, I mean, that's to me when I think about a personal guide, 
It's not even like we're just going as a group, you know, we're the church and we're going and there's a guide and they talk and maybe you're listening to a little thing and they, you know, say their little spiel and they're pretty bored and you move on and look at the next thing. I mean, it isn't even that. He's a personal guide in your life. He knows what he created you for. He knows what he put in you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows what you're going through. He's intimately acquainted with and actually cares about the stuff we're going through. And he's there to guide us and to be sure we stay on track and stay on course and get to the right place and all of that. But he's also there to bring revelation along the way and to instruct us and teach us and train us. I mean, what a deal. You know, we have that, and and we should expect this. And I just think this is something that we just need to learn to expect. In the, and I like to smart smart start with the smallest stuff to expect that God's going to care about the little stuff. Because if He cares about the little stuff, and He does, He says He does, then of course He cares about the big stuff. But it's, it's great to, in little things where you're not in a panic about something, where you're not up against the wall, where you're not about to go bankrupt, where you're, you know, you're not you know, fighting the biggest battle of your life, to learn in those places to expect that accompaniment, to listen for the instruction, to listen, to, to listen for those heart nudges that the Holy Spirit will give in order to lead us and guide us. And honestly, he does stuff just, I think, for his enjoyment and our enjoyment, just like a father and a child. He shows you things, you know, he reveals things to you that get you excited. You know, he loves that. He gives you gifts. He, he's, he, it's awesome to walk through life with him. So I just, I think we should be really comfortable stopping and asking questions and you know, uh, you know, and it's not like every time I ask God a question, then I immediately hear an answer. I mean, that happens sometimes, but so much of the time it's like, no, Lord, what, what is this? And how does that work? And it, it might be over the next six months that some of that comes to light and I understand it better than I did before, but still he cares and he'll bring those things to you, you know, and I'm sure most of you have experienced that, you know, so he's totally available, but he doesn't, uh, force himself on us. And honestly, while we're talking about that, one of the very first principles to learning to hear from God, and again, we're not going to get into that very much tonight, but one of the first principles is learning to say yes when you do hear him, learning to comply, learning to yield, learning to real quickly obey his voice and mark his voice. <laughs> so you remember that one, you know, but but saying yes goes a long way. That way we're not hardening our hearts to what he's telling us. Okay, does that make sense? So, um, he gives us the Spirit of God. I believe he really, in this, in this guiding part of him, he inspires us to listen for his voice and to to hear to recognize his voice to obey he he actually um, enables our hearts by his presence in us to recognize the voice of God to recognize what he is saying and doing and what and I'll make that really clear as we go through these verses but let me just mention a, a a couple other verses in John chapter 10. You guys, 
I'm sure know these verses, but I just want to remind us of them tonight. Um, In John chapter 10, there are several verses that just flat tell us that we, as the people of God, hear his voice. We hear it and we know it. And apparently I didn't bookmark any of that, but it's, uh, and I have my iPad turned away that I don't know how to use it. So give me just a second here. Yeah. I'm going to go through a couple other ones ahead of that. But yeah, 1027 is the big one. I found John chapter 10. Sweet. It's awesome. Uh, So yeah, there are a number of verses, because I just want you to see this, that Jesus says here that his sheep, that's us, have the ability to recognize his voice and distinguish it from other voices, which is really important. So I'm going to read, I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, The watchman opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. So for us, I mean, this is what Jesus is describing. That we will know his voice, we'll recognize it, and that his sheep won't listen to another voice. Because it will be a strange voice. I know that we aren't always in that place But that is what the Lord has for us. And I believe that's what the Spirit of God does in us. There is something in us that recognizes the voice of the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. There is something that will rise up in your spirit and engage with the voice. It's an inward knowing. Back in Romans chapter 8 in verse 14, it talked about, it said that our spirit testifies together with his spirit or his spirit testifies together with our spirit telling us that we are children of God okay that term testifies together is the idea of a harmony it's an idea of different sounds coming together and forming a harmony and so it's it's this idea there is a we call it the inward witness there is a knowing on the inside of the believer that so we don't have to have five signs we don't have to have we don't have to put out fleeces which is a bad idea for new testament believers uh we don't have to do that kind of thing there is a knowing on the inside if you just walk with god stay sensitive to god don't harden your heart don't don't disobey don't rebel every time he talks to you keep your heart soft and tender worship forgive people you know, do those kinds of things that keep your heart soft. And, and again, we're not, sometimes we're going to miss it. We're not always going to get it. But as long as we're doing those things, spending time with him, learning his presence, just walking along in that, it's a progressive thing. And he knows that and he's okay with that. He will teach you. He will train you. He'll speak to you in a way that you can understand. But there's something that goes off in the heart. Again, we call it the inward witness. That's just this knowing. It's just, I know that that impression was the Spirit of God. I have this sense that this is going to work this way. Or I have this sense that I'm supposed to do it this way. And over time, you will learn to trust that. It's, it's the inward witness. It's your spirit that is born again, and the Holy Spirit lives there. And the Holy Spirit 
sounding together, saying the same thing. There's an agreement on the inside of you. And Jesus says, and again, I, I, you know, I'm kind of skipping some things tonight because I'm not really here to teach about hearing the voice of God tonight. There are a number of ways that God speaks to us. And we'll, we should probably take a night and talk about that again. But, but I'm mainly just talking about this way. This, I think this is the main way, of actually, that God speaks to us as far as his, his personal interaction with us. I mean, obviously the word of God is the foundation of everything we ever know or believe or hear from God. That's, you know, there's, if it doesn't agree with the word, it's not God, period. If it doesn't agree with the nature of God that you see in Jesus Christ, it's not God. I don't care if an angel says it to you. I don't care if five prophets say it to you. I don't care if it doesn't line up with the word and it doesn't line up uh, with the nature of, of Jesus, then it's not God. I don't care if it's the thing you've wanted to hear for the last six months and that probably makes it even more suspicious. <laughs> it's got to line up with the word. But beyond that, I think this inward witness is one of the primary ways that God speaks to us. And so Jesus, anyway, getting back to this, Jesus says here, they'll know his voice and they won't recognize a stranger's voice. They'll know that a stranger's voice is a different voice. The Spirit of God gives us this. It's on the inside of us. It works in us. It's, it's on the inside of us. And so I guess what I'm doing tonight is just encouraging you to trust that. To trust that God wants to, to speak to you and lead you. That he gave you his Spirit to do it. That you are able, even if you don't feel like you can right now. Even if you don't feel like you can be led. You're totally confused. You don't know what to do. Trust the word. Jesus said that my sheep hear my voice. Verse 27 says that my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Okay. It, it, we will know his voice. We'll be able to recognize his voice. We can follow him. We can be led. That's the place to start. You have to grab hold of that by faith and trust that what the word says about you is true. And the Lord will teach you to, to do it, to walk in it. Okay, so he says we have that ability to hear and recognize his voice. He says that his sheep will listen for, listen to, and obey his voice. And that's where we're supposed to be with all of this. If we want to be led by the Spirit of God, if we want to be accompanied down the road, then that's where we need to be. We need to begin in that place of trusting. And then honestly, like I said, you know, and I'm sorry, I know I'm kind of bouncing around tonight. It's because I'm trying not to teach on hearing the voice of God. <laughs> um, practice. Just start practicing. Start watching for the word that stands out to you, first of all, and know that that's the Spirit of God speaking to you through the word. Or if you're listening to teaching or you're hearing, you know, in a conversation, in prayer time, whatever. You know, watch for that, but then... Watch through the day for those little promptings and obey them and talk to God about them and just learn to recognize the voice of the Holy Spirit because he's given you the ability to do it, okay? All right. So um, I'm just going to mention again that last week we looked at these verses over in John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15 that talk a little bit more about this. And uh, we're 
we're not going to go into this in great depth, but John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. We read through them last week. It's, this is where I think, I think we kind of ended up here last week. Jesus was talking to his disciples about the Holy Spirit coming. And he said this, he says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. So again, here's this idea of, of the personal guide into the truth. And remember, we talked last week about the fact that that Greek word translated truth there, it, it means reality, not just doctrine. I mean, certainly he opens doctrine to us, but it means, it means a revelation. It is, it is actually the application of truth in our life. He will guide us into how what God has said and is saying actually applies to our everyday nitty-gritty circumstances, okay? He will guide us into all the truth. So not, not only does he open the truth and reveal the truth to us, he does that, but he gives us that wisdom, that application about how to walk in it, what to do today and right now. It says, he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. He'll bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So he says, I have a whole bunch more that I want to say to you. And the idea there is there's a lot more that I want to lay out before you and give you the understanding of. But he says, you can't bear it. And uh, in the in the Greek text, it it's a picture of, of an object that is set up on a stand that was built for it to hold it up. It is something that is set up and it's set upon something. And so he's, he's saying to us, it also means to take hold of something and to pick it up and to carry it. Okay, so he's saying there's a whole bunch more truth that I want to lay out to you. But right now you don't have what it takes to hold that truth and to be able to pick that truth up and understand it and carry it. These people had not been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. He says, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll guide you into all of it. All right. So this is another one of those situations where we have it better than the disciples did who were walking with Jesus at the time because the Holy Spirit's here. And that's what he does. He puts a, he gives us the ability to comprehend and receive and have and hold and walk in and carry truth that the natural man can't bear and carry. And we're going to see this in just a minute in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The natural man, the man without God, the, the human being that has not been born again, can't perceive and understand the things of the Spirit. We're, we're, our hearts are just darkened until we get born again. But the Holy Spirit gives us that ability. He gives us that ability to perceive and to hold and to actually carry what the things that he is uh, showing us. And he, he, well, I don't want to get into that tonight. We'll get into that another time. Um, a lot of times he says here that, uh, you know, he'll not speak on his own. He only speaks what he hears. So, I mean, he, whatever he says is going to line up with the word of God and the heart of Jesus and all that. And then he, he talks about, he says, he will tell you what is yet to come. And there are a lot of applications of that. I mean, certainly that would include the idea of prophecy and, and things like that. But in a very practical sense, a lot of times the Holy Spirit will warn us about something that's about to happen or 
encourage us to go a certain direction because of something that's about to happen. He will give us insight into things that are going on that is simply not our own. It's not just our logical thought process. Again, a lot of times this will just come as an inward knowing. Sometimes it will come as actual words rising up in your spirit. I always talk about this one. It was a long time ago now that this happened many years ago when we'd only been married a little while and Karen had been praying for some furniture for the living room because we were tired of sitting on the floor. And um, there was, she was driving a delivery route down in the Durango-Cortez area. And uh, there was a bank that she used to stop at. I might tell this wrong because it's 40 years ago and I'll probably forget some parts. But anyway, there was a bank that she stopped at and, and they had these chairs. And were they saying, you knew they were for sale? Oh, okay. That's right, foreclosure. So there were these two chairs, little rocking swivel chairs, you know. And she wanted those. We didn't have any money, you know. I kind of, they were way nicer than anything that we'd ever found by the road and dragged home so far. <laughs> so, so, uh, but anyway, so they were more than we were going to be able to afford. But she came. I was working at the airport, and she came. Uh, one evening, I remember, and, and she told me about these chairs, and we prayed about it, and she was going to leave, and I was walking away, and as I started to walk away, I just heard the Spirit of God say real clearly, they will do anything to get rid of those chairs. And so I waved her down, and I said, I'm sure the Spirit of God just said they'll do anything to get rid of those chairs. And so she, so we decided what we could pay, and uh so the next day, she stomps in there and uh, to this to this place, <laughs> stomps, <laughs> stomps in there and and tells them, you know, oh, and she's talking to the to the girl out front or says she wants to talk to him about the chairs, and the girl goes in and she hears the guy say to the girl, "I'd do anything to get rid of those chairs." Just exactly what, and so she said, "Well, here's what we can pay, and here's all we want to do. We can give you this much today. I'll pay you this much every week, or whatever it was, something like that." Go ahead. <laughs> and she threw the chairs in the back of the stake bed and brought them back. Yeah, yeah, and it was like a hundred bucks or something. I mean, but it was that's you know, yeah, it was huge. So anyway, um, but, you know, I heard him say that, and that was exactly, you know, we, we got to hear the guy say it. And it was just God being nice to us to teach us that, yep, that was me, you know. So I don't know if he talks like that exactly. But, <laughs> but anyway, so, so he'll tell you about things to come. And that can be, you know, huge things. It can be small things. It can be things that are just important to you. I have no idea when I started, does anybody, how much time do I have left? I know that. <laughs> I can see that. I don't, I forgot to look. Sorry. Uh, three pages. Oh, of me? You think I've gone through three pages of notes? Oh, you have. Well, I am coming up on page three here. I didn't know how she knew that. Uh, okay, let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. These are just too good. And uh, we'll look at them for a little while. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to start in verse 9. Are you getting anything out of this tonight? I feel like I'm just kind of scattering around. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Sweet. That's nice. I have at least four minutes left. Um, So, 
1 Corinthians chapter 2 is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful chapter. It's so good. Chapter 1 and 2, so good. But we're going to start in verse 9. This is a quote from the Old Testament. Okay, so he, uh, Paul's writing and he says, However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Okay, so again, depending on what kind of group you grew up in, if you grew up in church or whatever, a lot of times that gets taught, but they stop right there. <laughs> they stop in the middle of the sentence. And it's just kind of used to say, oh, we can never know what God is going to say or do, you know. But that's, that's not the end of the sentence. It's saying that the natural eye, the natural ear, the natural mind can't conceive of all that God has for those that love him. You know, it's a, it's a great idea. But it goes on, he says, but, this is the New Testament part of the idea, God has revealed it to us by his spirit. God has revealed all those things that he has prepared for those who love him. The Amplified says, um, as the scripture says, what eye has not seen and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man, all that God has prepared, made and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him, gratefully recognizing the benefits that he has bestowed. And then it goes on, yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by the Holy Spirit. So here again, it begins to talk about this idea that our mind hasn't even been able to imagine, let alone grasp the natural mind, what God has for us. But one of the things the Holy Spirit does is he reveals those things to us. Revelation knowledge is always, it's a truth that wasn't perceived or couldn't be perceived by natural means. It's opened up by the Holy Spirit. And it literally just means something that was covered is uncovered, revealed. I mean, it means revealed. It's, and so the Holy Spirit does that. It has, he uncovers truth to the spiritual mind and the spiritual eye and the spiritual ear that couldn't be perceived by the natural man. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. And he does it all the time. I think we miss a lot of it, but he does it all the time. So he gives our hearts that ability to receive and comprehend truth that can't be held in the intellect alone. And this is, did you get that? It can't be discovered or held just by human reasoning. In fact, the scripture defines the carnal mind, which is enmity toward God, as human sense and reason without God, without his influence. And so as great as, there's nothing wrong with logic and reason and all those things. God gave us all those things. He gave us our senses. It's not that they're bad. It's that they were never supposed to stand alone. They were, we were never supposed to depend for all the ideas about life and how to fix things and make things work. We were never supposed to depend just on what we could figure out. We were supposed to live in harmony with God. And when we come to the word of God, this is one of those areas that I've just observed this, you know, over the years that when, when people don't embrace the Holy Spirit and his ministry, then, then the word becomes clinical. The word becomes just a set of intellectual ideas, a set of good ideas, a set of good principles, a set of good rules for life. 
But there's so much more than that for us. The Holy Spirit is here to bring revelation, to bring insight, to open up the word and release the, the life that's in the word of God. The word of God is full of life and it can produce itself on the inside of us, but it needs that incubation. It, it was always supposed to be the word and the spirit together working in, in our hearts. So we need to have revelation to understand we need, we need that insight that only the Spirit of God gives. And so it goes on. We don't have a lot of time left, so let's go on through verse 10. It says, God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things. The Spirit searches all things. This word searches is a word that would be used for an explorer, okay, that enters new territory and opens up uh, new territory to others. It's, uh, that's the word. In the Greek, the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And that term deep there means the abstruseness of God. The abstruseness of God. Have you heard that word before? Uh, so you have heard of abstruse. I knew, I knew that if anybody would have, it was her. Uh, Annie and I saw that word for the first time yesterday. I came out and told her, it's the abstruseness of God. She's like, what? I'd never seen the word before in my life. Anyway, deep means immense, limitless, profound. Okay? And it, profound, deep things that have not yet been revealed. And there's apparently an, an English word called abstruseness that defines that. So I just thought it'd be fun to say. So the deep things of God, he searches, he explores, he goes into the heart of God, the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? You know, just think about that. None of us know what you're thinking right now. Some of, most of you, I'm sure, are thinking something like, man, I hope he doesn't quit. I hope he goes on for another hour and a half in these verses. This is so good. But, you know, I don't really know what's going on on the inside of you. You know what's going on, on the inside of you. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And then it says, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that or so that we may understand what God has freely given us. That tells me that we should expect, if we haven't received the spirit of the world, but we've received the spirit of God who searches the deep things of God, who, is, who knows the very thoughts of God, if that's who we've received, we should anticipate getting to a place in life where Thinking the thoughts of God is way more natural than thinking the thoughts of the world. And that's the renewing of the mind. I mean, that's when our minds are renewed. When thinking God's thoughts, seeing a situation God's way, seeing nothing as impossible, seeing there you know, be no lack, those kinds of things. That's when our minds are really, really renewed. Because, and seeing value in people, just all, just seeing everything the way God sees it instead of the world sees it. This is possible because we have that spirit on the inside of us. Verse 13, he says, this is what we speak. He's talking about their teaching. And he says, this is what we speak, not in words taught to us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit. 
expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. So he's just saying, when we come to you with the word of God, we're not just teaching things that we thought of. We're not just, we're, we're bringing to you what the spirit of God has imparted to us. And that's the way, that's the way teaching should be. Uh, verse 14, the man without the Holy Spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him. And he can't understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So for that reason alone, we should not get so upset when the world doesn't accept what we understand to be the truth. We, we, we have to understand that it, they, it, it is foolishness to them. You know, it is foolishness to them until the Spirit of God works in their hearts and they begin to embrace who he is and what he has done for them. And then their hearts can open up to that. But there are so many times where it gets very frustrating and, and we just have to understand that they really honestly are incapable of recognizing. And I don't say that critically. It's just the way it is whether it's by their choice or by ignorance or whatever, they're incapable of recognizing, understanding, receiving spiritual things until the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is working on people all over. I mean, it's not just, he does different things in Christians than he does in the world, but he's out there uh, trying to reach people and bring truth and conviction, those kinds of things to people. So we shouldn't get quite so angry when people don't understand our beliefs. And we also shouldn't be intimidated by their evaluation of us. And verse 15 talks about that. It says, in fact, I'm going to read it to you from the, um, I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. I really like the way this um, reads. And I have to start in verse 13 because I do. It says, and we articulate these realities with the words imparted to us by the Spirit, not with the words taught by human wisdom. We join together spirit-revealed truths with spirit-revealed words. Someone living on an entirely human level rejects the revelations of God's spirit, for they make no sense to him. He can't understand the revelations of the spirit because they are only discovered by the illumination of the spirit. Those who live in the spirit, get this verse, those who live in the spirit are able to carefully evaluate all things. Why is that? Because the Holy Spirit will give us revelation about things. And they are subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. And then he goes on to say, for who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord well enough to become his counselor? Christ has. And we possess Christ's perceptions. So he says, those who live by the Spirit, they can evaluate all things, but they're subject to the scrutiny of no one but God. To me, that says, don't be intimidated when people think your ideas are screwy. I'm talking about <laughs> biblical ideas, right? You post something on Facebook and everybody, arr, arr, you believe that? You know, those, take your, they're always saying something like, why should I listen to your myths, you know, or something like that? Well, they don't get it. You know, that's okay. It's seed. It's going out there. It's seed. You know, I'm planting seed in their hearts, but don't be intimidated and don't be mad. It's, it's just the way it is. 
the, the spiritual truth is spiritually discerned. And so when you don't have the spirit, you're not going to discern spiritual truth. But that last statement, who has ever, again, this is a question from the Old Testament, who has ever intimately known the mind of the Lord Yahweh well enough to become his counselor? And then it says, Christ has, and we possess Christ's perceptions. We have the mind of Christ. So again, you know, who's known the mind of God? Jesus has. And his spirit lives on the inside of you. So basically, spirit's here to guide us in a personal way. He's here to lead us. He's here to give us the ability to hear and recognize and know and even obey the voice of God. He's here to reveal. He'll search the deep things in the hearts and thoughts of God and then reveal them to us. And we can walk in a lot of confidence because of that. So, did you get anything out of that tonight? Thank you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.